You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. As I begin my message this morning, I want to again say a a very happy Mother's Day uh, to all the moms who are watching, but especially to my mom because I think she's watching today too. Uh, You know, I'm so grateful uh, for the impact of my mom in my life, but also just for the role that mothers play in in the lives of their children and in uh, society in general. I mean, we literally owe our moms our lives. So today is is a special day, and we're wishing you all a happy Mother's Day. Uh, With that said, it's convenient uh, that today's passage from Luke's Gospel is one which is specifically uh, teaching us about the the role of women in the ministry of Jesus. Um, And what's even more significant is that we're going to discover a pattern emerging from the few short verses that we read where uh, lives are changed and the response for that is gratitude. Um, And we didn't exactly plan for it this way that on Mother's Day, you know, we'd be teaching about the women in Jesus' ministry, but here we are. It's awesome and we're going with it. Um, So I'll invite you, if you have a Bible, you can grab it and open it up to uh, the 8th chapter of Luke. That's where we're beginning this morning at the start of Luke chapter 8. And I am reading verses 1 to 3. Afterward, Jesus was traveling from one town and village to another. He was preaching, telling the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary called Magdalene. Seven demons had gone out of her. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward. Susanna and many others who were supporting them from their possessions. This is the word of God to us this morning. So Luke chapter 8 begins with... The good news of the kingdom and mentioning the 12 disciples, these are both familiar things. They're key tenets to the gospel message, especially if if we've been following along with Luke's story up until this point. But then here in verse 2, he includes uh, three specific women whose lives were obviously changed because they met Jesus. So we're starting to notice that Luke makes special reference to the role of women in the gospel story. You know, last week he was teaching us uh, about, uh, Pastor Greg was teaching us about uh, the sinful woman at the end of chapter 7, a sinful woman who washed Jesus' feet and experienced Jesus' forgiveness firsthand. And so, yes, Luke does pay special attention to women in the story of Jesus. In fact, Luke does this more than any of the other gospel writers, although the others do as well. But we're beginning to see that women aren't just mentioned, but they are included and they play an important role in the ministry of Jesus. This is worth mentioning. We may think, well, yeah, of course they do. But this isn't typical, especially for ancient writers from from cultures like the ones which we're reading. Uh, From what we know, women actually weren't even allowed to follow a rabbi and disciple under them in the ways that these women are following after Jesus. So here we have Jesus, and he's a very different sort of rabbi, obviously. 
It's because he's the savior king and, and his kingdom is a heavenly kingdom. And in Jesus' kingdom, women aren't excluded. They aren't forgotten or pushed aside. And they're not just permitted, but they're actually included. They're relied upon to make important contributions to the things that God is doing. So this goes upstream against cultural barriers for women. We see women uh, given equal access to Jesus, to the blessings of Jesus, to his teachings and his forgiveness and his ministry. Nobody is excluded from access to the power of God's kingdom if they're willing to follow Jesus. So as I say this, I have to ask, as we bring the good news of Jesus to the world, as we read in verse 1, the gospel message to people, do we make exceptions or exclusions or have preferences towards certain people based on our own biases? And since we're talking about women this morning, we may have gender biases. Or it could be any other kind of bias that would stop us or hinder or prevent us from sharing God's message of love to them. These are important ideas to consider because as we learn that Jesus' kingdom from Luke's gospel is one that includes outsiders, isn't it? In fact, often more so than those who felt entitled to salvation in the first place. And so biases and prejudices are natural, but the gospel of Jesus confronts them and undoes them Jesus transcends boundaries to remind us that all are invited to call upon God as Father, to be saved by his Son, and to receive the same power of the Holy Spirit, crying out to him as our Father, as we receive his Spirit. Speaking of biases and different types and settings for people, uh, the women that Luke names actually represent vastly different socioeconomic backgrounds. Uh, first, we have Mary Magdalene, who was formerly possessed by seven demons, and because of this, she would have been rejected by society. She would have been considered untouchable before being uh, touched by Jesus. And then there's Joanna, who lives in completely different circles. Uh, she's connected to the wealthiest and most powerful people uh, with her husband, who who's works for Herod the king. And yet her life also is touched by Jesus as she follows him and evidently supports him with what she has. These women experience very different realities, and yet each of them were changed as they came in contact with the ultimate reality of God's presence through his son. And as we wonder more about who they are, you may remember hearing uh, the names of Joanna and Mary Magdalene elsewhere. Uh, later in Luke's gospel, they're part of the group that visit the tomb of Jesus after he's buried there, only to discover that his body isn't there. In Luke 24, 9 and 10, it says that they were returning from the tomb. They were reporting all these things to the 11, uh, the other apostles, and to the rest. So there's Mary Magdalene, and there's Joanna, and then there's Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them. And they were telling the apostles all these things. So the importance of these women is not only that they were around and that they were disciples, 
but that they witnessed Jesus' life, his death, and most importantly, his resurrection firsthand. So we have Jesus who ministered to women and included them, so much so that they were the first witnesses to the most profound truth about the story of Jesus, that he could not be contained by death, but that he was alive again after three days of being buried. Speaking of eyewitness accounts, uh, eyewitnesses are important for Luke to include as a way of describing the events uh, factually, right? An eyewitness strengthens uh, the argument and the story of what's happening and gives it more validity. But what's interesting to learn again, just to refresh our minds a little bit about how this works, is that at this time, the testimony of a woman actually wasn't considered legally valid. So this is interesting that Luke is foregrounding them on purpose as witnesses who speak uh, the, the gospel truth of Jesus' resurrection. And this goes against those who would exclude women and discount them. So women obviously represent an invaluable, central part of building of the church, both past and present. But I want to ask us specifically what the Lord is uh, teaching us today about our friends Mary, Joanna, and Susanna. Because these lives were, as we've been saying, forever changed by Jesus. They followed after him. And we, we can see this in their response and, and what does it say that they did? They gave out of their own possessions. They were generous. One author says that if we are hearers of the word, then we should be spreaders of the word. If, if we hear the gospel, we should spread the gospel. This means that if we, like the women, have heard this good news of Jesus and we receive it, then we are also called to spread the word with whatever means we have to give. Verse 3 said that they supported the work of Jesus from their own means. We don't know what means they had to give, but we know that they gave them. This reminds me of what uh, the Apostle James teaches us in James 1. Uh, 22 to 25 says that you must be doers of the word and not only hearers who mislead themselves. If we only hear the word and, and are not changed, we're lying to ourselves. Those who hear but don't do the word are like those who look at their faces in a mirror. They look at themselves, they walk away, and then immediately forget what they were like. But there are those who study the perfect law, the law of freedom, and they continue to do it. They don't listen and then forget, but they put it into practice in their lives. And they'll be blessed in whatever they do. Now, this is what happened for Mary, Susanna, and Joanna, and others who gave to the work of Jesus at that time. They heard the word of God from Jesus himself, and then they allowed themselves to be moved by it and changed. And, and there was a result of them putting it into practice in their daily life, so to speak. And the amazing part is that verse 25 from what James was teaching, verse 25 promises even more blessing as we get into the work of following Jesus. Now, the women with Jesus absolutely experienced this blessing, especially upon 
like we said, seeing the tomb, the empty tomb, and then meeting the resurrected Christ on Easter morning, how glorious that was for them. Jesus changed their lives. So I ask you, what about Jesus has changed your life? What about Jesus has changed your life? Uh, What has Jesus healed you from? What has he set you free from? How have you come to know his forgiveness in a real way? And as you recall your testimony, what about these things really inspires that response of gratitude that we're talking about today? What has he done that we are grateful for? I know that for me, some of the deepest and and reoccurring sense of gratitude comes from the knowledge that uh, God promises to use me in his plan, to include me in his plan. This is profound. Uh, I used to have the misunderstanding, I think, that God would only use a certain type of really ultra-amazing Christian, right? Like the perfect Christian. Those are the ones that God wants to include and use. And the rest of us, we're just sort of maybe forgotten about or have to get by. That's not the case. In 1 Corinthians, Paul teaches us about this. Uh, First, in verse 18, I want to read. He says, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it's the power of God to those who are being saved. This is true. Later, in 26 to 31, he says, Brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise by human perspectives, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one may boast in his presence. It is from him, it's from God, that you are in Christ Jesus, who became wisdom from God for us, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, in order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Now there's a lot going on here, but basically what he's saying is it's all from Jesus. And I don't know about you, but in my mind, the, the information here that God chooses the foolish, that's like a surprising twist of events for me. So if you're ever feeling like you're maybe lacking in, in what the world would consider greatness, then pay attention because you're actually closer to God's mission than you may think. It is the fact that I am in Jesus that I can say I am righteous, that I'm sanctified, that I'm redeemed, that I'm a child of God. It's all because of Jesus and the foolishness of the cross, so to speak. Our power of this world is not worldly, but it is through the cross. This is what I think Paul refers to when he talks about the hope of glory. In Colossians 1.27, God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ in you. So none of us are excluded. None of us are excluded from God's blessing, from his forgiveness, his ministry, his calling, because of the insignificance that we feel. 
but rather because Jesus dwells in our hearts. That's what qualifies us. And for this, I am thankful. And because of this, I can boast in the Lord, in his power, in his strength instead of my own. This is just one of the ways in my life that I am thankful to Jesus and that I am called to respond and follow him with what I have. And this brings us full circle back to uh, the women that Luke was listing in our passage from today. Against worldly expectations, the fact that Mary, Susanna, and Joanna were women did not change their importance to the mission of Jesus Christ. Their various backgrounds and socioeconomic statuses did not affect God's view of them and his mission. He called them and they followed. And they were changed by the grace of Jesus and included as a part of his mission as they responded with generosity. So my hope today is that each of us would have the same active response to the grace of Jesus with a spirit of thanksgiving and praise and humble submission to his will in our lives. Let's pray. Lord, we are humbled and we are encouraged by your word this morning. First, God, I just want to thank you for the role of Christian women who have uh, built up your church and spread the gospel of Jesus into the world. Thank you for the power of the cross to save us, to reveal your wisdom so that we can boast in Jesus today. Thank you, God, for your goodness that is at work in each of us, that all of us equally are invited to receive with the same spirit your love and your grace. Lord, I ask that this church would be hearers and doers of the word, Lord, that we would share generously for the glory of Christ in the world and for the furthering of your kingdom. It is in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen.